Welcome and thank you for joining us for the Real Messy podcast for educators. This is Jen Nace and I'm here at Grays Lake Central Studio with my co-host Rachel Lazinski. Hello. And Shana Piggott. Hello. Today uh, we're going to talk about something that I have been thinking about lately. I've gotten to work with these lovely ladies for quite some time here at Grays Lake. But um, even though our positions have changed and shifted over the years, I've never really understood the full story of how you guys got here. Um, You guys were here a little bit before me, too. And so I kind of want to hear about what brought us to this position, sitting here at this table talking to everybody about education. So let's hear about it. Well, we got here before you because we're old. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. (laughs) That's true. Um, All right, well, I'll get started. So I started out teaching. This is my 19th year of teaching. So I was four years at Mundelein, one year at Elk Grove, three years at Lake Forest, and then finally ended up at Grays Lake Central. So this is my 11th year here. I started out as a biology teacher that had to teach forensic science and earth science just to keep my job and then I transitioned into being a chemistry teacher like over the years and just like honors regular co-taught like all the different things but I think what really kind of defined my like passion for curriculum development was when I first started teaching I was part of an integrated studies program so it was science, math, social studies, technology, and English, and we were like a team, and we had our kids for half the day, and so they would send us to all this PD about how to create these integrated lessons, and this was like two decades ago, right? It's a long time, and we learned about backwards design, Mm -hmm. you know, way back before UBD was a thing, and then when um, I went to the next school, went to the next school, I always took advantage of all the PD opportunities that were available, and so I just picked up bits and pieces, and then... You know, just because I knew a bunch of stuff, like people would come and ask questions and I loved answering it. And so I think that kind of helped transition me into being that like instructional coach position. And I like to click buttons so the technology thing works. (laughs) So then like, have you always known you wanted to be a teacher? I mean, because science, you could go anywhere. Well, I started out pre-med for about a year. And then I met my husband who was education major. And well, he wasn't my husband then. Um, but yeah, so he was already in it, and I was watching the stuff he was doing. I'm like, I, I taught Sunday school, I coached, I did all these things when I was a kid. And so I think I didn't ever really thought about it as a career until somebody's like, oh, that could be a career. And I'm like, all right, let's do it. It was a natural fit. Yeah. Cool. Rach, what about you? Um, I always knew I wanted to teach, except for there was a blip in second grade when I wanted to be a zookeeper. Oh. But then that's a lot of gross stuff <laughs> um, filtering for the podcast but um, I always knew I wanted to teach but I didn't know what grade or what age because I just love being with children and being kind of a person who could learn with other people that was always my favorite thing you know so I thought first I would be elementary ed for sure all the way like let's be creative let's get in this together I loved like third fourth grade Um, They were just always, like, it was just a good fit for me. But then as I started learning more um, in my college courses, I was kind of like, well, maybe I really love teaching reading. And so I kind of got into, like, the high school area of, like, English Mm -hmm. and reading and literacy and that kind of thing. And that was always just, like, my favorite part. And so when I graduated undergrad, it was K-12, and I still didn't know what age I wanted to teach. And... um, And then when I got my position at Grace Lake, I started recognizing that a lot of the literacy strategies I had learned for like K-8 
mm-hmm. were very applicable in the high school classroom. Yeah. And then that's kind of like what you said, Shana. Like, I started learning more about it. I got my master's, and then I went on to NIU for my doctorate. And, like, every time I learned something new, I wanted to share it with somebody. So then people were like, oh, let's go to her. Let's ask her. She kind of knows. And I loved creating things and learning things. And um, and then when I was here teaching English, it just didn't feel like a fit after a while. I was like, I just really want to teach literacy, like, all day, every day. Yeah. And I made that transition then um, into the ad-lit classroom, and it just felt really good. It felt normal, yeah. you know? But I think as a coach, too, like, when you see somebody else take an idea you shared with them, and they use it, and they have success with it, that's, like, the biggest win. Mm-hmm. And so I think, like, you have that a little bit, and then you just start to, like, thrive on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And knowing, too, that every time you work with a teacher, in reality, you're working with however many students that teacher sees throughout the day. So it's not like you've left behind the kids. It's just you get to engage in different learning opportunities with different ages of people, which is always exciting. I agree. I have a very similar kind of thing. I kind of, it's not a surprise to me that I ended up working with both teachers and students. Although my family still thinks it's a surprise that I'm in education at all. Because <laughs> what'd you do? Growing up, I was always a good kid, but I, you know, I grew up an educator's child. And so, you know, with my dad, quite literally the principal of my high school, I vowed to never go into education. And I followed that through college. I was, you know, science and health majors, I was going to be a nurse, and then randomly had an English class in college that kind of turned everything around, and going into my senior year of college, I decided that I was going to be an English teacher. Oh my gosh. So my parents were very, they laughed at me first, and they thought it was a joke, but then they very willingly helped me do a fifth year in college so that I could complete the English education in two years. Wow. So I did it quick, and I did a lot of hours, but I got it done in two years. Um, But I should have known that the changing in majors was going to come back to bite me because I think that's what ended up like I loved being in the classroom and I could tell from the minute I started like in the classroom student teaching that like this is in my blood in some ways, you know what I mean? Like I think it was just easy to like fit into that. But I also knew when I was student teaching that I had such a great experience like working with my cooperating teacher. I knew at that point that I thought I was gonna work with teachers. And I actually had planned on going back getting my master's and teaching English teachers. But then, you know, through different changes that happened in my life and through the school, ended up going into library sciences, which has been great because I think my passion was for the teaching, less the English. Mm -hmm. And so being in the library and getting to work with, you know, all grade levels and all subject areas, I kind of get to, you know, nerd out on all my health science stuff that I used to enjoy in college. And I still get to work with English teachers. I've learned a lot about history in the last five years. And so I know I'm even I can learn (laughs) history was my least favorite subject. I'm doing much better these days. But So it's no surprise that I'm working with teachers more almost than I'm working with students because that's kind of what I felt more comfortable doing, I think, at the beginning. So 
Well, I think having that like varied background too helps you communicate with teachers in each yes. of those departments yeah. and it helps them feel more comfortable with you. And as we work with these teachers and we kind of gain that lingo and we kind of get an idea of what standards and you know what, what things they value mm-hmm. about their curriculum. And so I feel like it's just really expanded like my horizons in terms of like being able to work with all these different segments of teachers and these different like subject areas. I know. And I love, like, my favorite part about this job still is that I learn something new every single day. Yeah. Like, whether the kids teach it to me or another teacher teaches it to me, like, that is the best part about it. And then having the ability to then take something that I've learned from someone else in this building or wherever and pass it along. Because so often teachers who should be communicating don't have that common time or don't, you know, like, we want that reason we want the answer in the moment. Like, I have this problem, I need this answer. And so it's nice that when I learn something from another teacher, I can say like, hey, I talked to this person and this is what they thought. So let's kind of connect each other. Let's right. figure out what we can do. Those are some of my favorite moments in the building when we can like sit at a table with educators that I didn't typically work with and like get to talk about that kind of stuff. That's like the whole point of this podcast, right? Is that like teachers don't get that chance because you're you're in a classroom, you're going it alone almost every single day. You have your team usually, but some people don't even really have a team. And so, you know, those kinds of conversations and you know, they don't get to happen very naturally throughout the school day. It's hard. Just the amount of information that's available to teachers out there. Like, if you want to quickly search for an answer, like, you can't anymore. No. There's so mm-hmm. much information. I feel like we have the opportunity to kind of wade through the massive amounts of stuff mm-hmm. and then find, you know, kind of a summarized answer that's quick and it's efficient mm-hmm. and we can get it to those teachers and, like, help them in the moment and they don't have to get lost in that sea of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And that's true, too. Like, we can't go at it alone. Like, I could never come up with new ideas unless I have conversations with teachers. And I could never have a good strategy unless there was the teacher willing to take the risk to try it out first. Right. So you're like, okay, so I read this thing about vocabulary sorts, and I know it works in, like, elementary ed and middle school, but I don't quite know what it looks like in high school. Like, are you willing to try this out for me? And especially when I don't know a content area or a discipline well, I need those teachers who will be like, Rach, this is what math looks like. Like, Mm -hmm. this is how we talk in science, you know, that kind of thing. That's good. I think that's that's the whole point of all this, you know, is to to find that inspiration from everybody else to keep going and to, you know, provide them with what whatever they need. But we also need problems. Like, you know, I went into science because I love solving problems. Like, I love the puzzle of it and just the critical thinking that goes along with it. And so if people aren't willing to ask me questions, if they're not willing to bring me their problems, if they're not willing to kind of share what's frustrating about what they're doing, then, like, I really feel like I can't help. And so when people are willing to kind of be a little vulnerable and say, like, this is not working for me, my students aren't getting it, this is frustrating... Like, can you help me? Like, yeah, we we can find a better way, and we can do that together as a team. And it's not just you know me dictating like how things should go. Like that has nothing to do with it. They're in the room with the kids. Mm-hmm. Like they need to pick what's best for them and their students. I'm just there to provide some other like ideas on how to make it better. Yeah, it is true. Like, and that vulnerability piece is hard for anyone. I mean, anytime we feel like we might be getting criticism, you know, it's like scary. But then recognizing too that 
it's not really about critiquing anything. It's about like, what do you want your students to do better? And let's figure it out together. And like, if you came up with an amazing lesson plan and it didn't work, it's not that the lesson plan wasn't amazing. Right. It just might mean that your kids weren't ready for it at the time. So we can just help you build the scaffolding to get to that lesson plan mm-hmm. again. And it'll be great. You know, it's like people think that if they, if the kids don't get it, they failed or something. Or if all the kids don't leave the classroom with the same exact knowledge that it like reflects on the teacher. But I mean, those kids are complicated human beings. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> like, holy yeah. cow. I don't know why they do half the things they do. It's true. But it's that reflection without getting defensive. It's yeah. like, you know, go, really going back and looking at it, like taking away all the emotion from it and be like, what worked? What didn't work? You know, how do we identify what needs to get fixed about it? How do we go find answers to try to fix it? And then, but then also bring into the classroom with students and being vulnerable and saying like, guys, whoa, that didn't work, you know, and kind of putting that emotion back into it and be like, yeah, that I, I feel really bad. Like we wasted three days. I thought it was going to work. It didn't. How do we fix it? Let's go through this together. And we like, we work through our failures with our students to teach them what it means to work through failure. I think that's hard though. I think a lot of times we see teachers come to us or I'm sorry, not even coming to us because not being able to recognize the problems is hard too. You know, just the fact that like to have an environment where you would be able to have a colleague that you could talk to about those kinds of things. You know what I mean? Like you, if you, if teachers never are getting out of their classrooms and visiting other classrooms, they maybe don't even realize that what's happening in their classroom could be better or like could be problematic in some ways, you know, that's hard. It's hard to recognize that sometimes. Well, I'm watching other educators, like yeah. what does it look like in your universe? This is what it looks like in my universe. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, and just opening ourselves up to that, that idea. And it's a hard, like yeah. who's got minutes for that, right? Like how do you find that time? But we need to make minutes for that. We need to have that opportunity to go and see that it looks different in other places yeah or even see what the kids have to deal with day to day you know like what their day looks like you know and how that that changes so drastically class to class i think having children that went through high school like now that josh is out and john is in and you know just watching and processing through their entire day it's like oh my goodness like how did you go through that whole thing and then still have to have, you know, your after-school events and try to get enough sleep and make sure that you're eating and staying hydrated and all these other things. It's like, I mean, they're constantly having to shift gears and balance everything. And so I think that's given me an interesting perspective on, like, what I would do in the classroom if I had Yeah. Well, yeah, and that's part of it, too. Like, we do have those minutes. I mean, I'm not saying we're free all the time, but that's part of our role is to have the minutes to go in to observe mm-hmm. other teachers because sometimes they can't pinpoint the problem. Right. And sometimes you do have an outside perspective like that of a mother and a teacher coming into a space and saying like, okay, you don't understand, you know, what went wrong with this lesson or you don't even think there is anything wrong. Let me come in and observe. Let me come in and see what's going on. Let me talk to your kids. But that's such a scary place it's to so, go to. It is. To and allow I, someone else in like that. I think 
I, I think that at our school, it's it's lucky in the sense that like none of us are evaluators. Mm-hmm. We hold yeah. no teeth in the game of your evaluation. You know what I mean? And so like we, that's a safe place for us. You know, like we truly are. We have nothing to gain or to lose personally, except to help the students have a better experience. You know, in the end, that's like. That's our goal is from each of our different angles to try to make the experience better for the students from a literacy standpoint, from a curriculum standpoint, from an information literacy standpoint, you know, like just providing them the best. Well, and every time we take some time to do that with our students, we're not only helping them improve in our class, we're helping them improve in other people's classes and other subject areas, helping to break things out of those silos and understanding that, you know, the skills in this, like technology or whatever else that I learned in this one class, I may be able to apply it in these other settings or even in my life outside of school to you know, do something different than I've always done. But if we're always doing the same thing over and over and we keep our stuff in our silos, I think mm-hmm. we're, we're not doing our, our students that, like, service of, mm-hmm. of teaching them how to apply things outside of that, like, arena. We're pretty right. lucky. You know that, guys? Mm-hmm. We are. It's a pretty cool position to be in, I think. I know. Do you think, looking back at your college selves, maybe college, maybe even, like, end of high school, if you had said this was the position that you would be in right now, what do you think you would have said? I, I know what other people would have said. <laughs> I've been like, duh. Oh, that's, I see, totally that's awesome. See that. That's really I mean? cool. I mean, if I told <laughs> I told somebody that I was like going into like the business world, they would be like, what? You know what I mean? Yeah. But like going into education and being a literacy coach and a reading teacher, if I just break it down to like basic language and reading Can teacher. I say a perpetual student? Yes, a perpetual <laughs> student. So true. Yeah. I think people would be like, yeah, I always thought so. I think the age surprises people. Hmm. People never expected me to love being in a high school. Oh, Because okay. it's like they always just expected me to be with like younger kids. Mm-hmm. And I do love young kids. Like I, I, I do. But I don't think people would have thought I'd be happy with like older students not recognizing that they have some of the same things going on as the younger ones. That's <laughs> true. For sure. What do you I think, think? I think I could have easily been in a classroom for an entire career mm-hmm. and had it be fine. Like I think, you know, the expectation, like my whole, my husband's whole family, like is teachers and that's what they do. And mm-hmm. they just like kind of, they go through their career in these positions and, and they're great at it. And that's just kind of what it is. So I think it's, different that I ventured out of the classroom but I think I don't think naturally like it's surprising about it but oh man if I could go back and talk to my younger self like I was a stinky teacher (laughs) (laughs) were we all when you look back and like think about your first couple of years teaching like oh man I was a horrible like I want to write all those kids I'm sorry letter (laughs) it's best just not not to think about it at all (laughs) some people are good like we had some teachers who rocked it out right away and it was always just like how are you not stressed like how do you handle this so well you know but like you too, though, Shana, you're a, you're just a naturally project based learner. So like oh, yeah. seeing you in this coaching role totally makes sense because yeah. you see all of us and all of our kids as these like projects that we can work around and work through and come up with all these cool ways of solving things. And I and I think what else I like about having you in this position is that I think 
in a lot of schools, science is its own thing. Mm -hmm. It's like this own corner of the building that's left there, and they do their own thing, and everybody else kind of, like, you see history and English and artwork together and whatnot. But, like, to bring some of that science mindset and force it into the other disciplines, I think is fantastic. Like, I think that's, like, English needs more project-based learning. History needs more project-based learning. Like, it's nice to have the science mindset in other areas. I like that. Well, hopefully the kids are taking that and understanding that they can apply those same critical thinking skills and that same like project-based approach to like any problem that comes up in their lives and like but they have to practice it like you said outside of the science classroom yeah and they keep us in a corner because that's where the fire alarms are turned off (laughs) that's true (laughs) i've always you know as an english teacher it's scary enough giving them a pen and paper i couldn't imagine giving them knives and fire and chemicals that's terrifying you were a science person i did i wanted what would people say about you right now what would you say about well my family they just think i was i don't know if they think i was wasting my time or what in college but like I think a couple things are are clear I think it's no surprise that I changed my major a lot it's no surprise that I already changed from English to library I think honestly my parents are probably wondering what's next because I think I get that from my dad you know he he was an educator and he was in education for a long time but then he was also not afraid to take some personal risks when he decided you know that wasn't what he wanted to do anymore and so It'll be interesting. I don't know. I think I'm kind of in the let's do this because it's fun right now and let's see where it goes from here. So I, I don't have my PhD yet. So <laughs> well, see, I feel like the opposite. Like, you know, I look forward to the opportunity to go back into the classroom. Mm. I think, you know, I don't know if I have those aspirations of like going and leading larger groups of yes, people and making right. bigger decisions. Yeah. Like, I kind of want my little universe back some days and then, you know, wish I could go in there and try all these things I keep yeah. learning about. And I'm like, uh, kind of be nice just to, to have that like security back a little bit yeah I think that's where like co-teaching would be a really cool place like that's what I love right now is I have my collaborative mind I have almost like a, a co-teacher with me throughout the day for my teaching piece mm-hmm. and then I have my collaborative mind engaged for the coaching piece because I have you know you two and other teachers to bounce mm-hmm. things off of but I feel like as coaches, co-teaching would be kind of the perfect place. It really would. And can I co-teach in every subject, though? Right. Because right. that's what I need. <laughs> right. No, I, I need to not just, geometry. yeah, I need it to co-teach fun. a little in bio, a yeah. little yeah. English. Yes. Maybe even throw some Spanish in there. biology, you know? too. Yeah. It's seriously, the, it is such a great experience. What if one one period of day, every teacher had to go co-teach with somebody else in another subject area? I think like, that'd be fantastic. That's your duty. You have to go be in geometry. Yes. Can I go to ceramics? <laughs> Oh, no, I go first. (laughs) Oh, man, that would be so much fun. And, like, to legitimately co-teach, like, plan the lessons, grade things, talk about To understand how curriculum works in a different content area. When you're in high school, high school is so separated. Like, as an English major, I learned nothing about how to build curriculum in anything else but English until I stepped out of the English department and, like, had to take a look around. Well, other set of standards, just other expectations, the way they're written, the way you break them down the verbs you pull out of them right. they, like the expectations for the students and I think that's part of what really drew me to science that was the fact that you did get to play like I need to mess around with things like mm-hmm. I need to have a problem to solve but you can create that if you break down the standards in other subject areas like you can create those problems and have students solve them but you've got to have that like other lens to look at it yeah is that all of us like all of a sudden just kind of thinking about when we were talking about ourselves and like 
how we want to like experience these other content areas and whatever, are we all very safe risk takers? Is that why we love doing what we do? Because it kind of changes every day and we don't have a little universe in a safe way, though. I will say that, yeah, even when I was in the English classroom, I I like the term safe risk taker because I was very willing to try things, but I was very, very planned out about how I would try things, if that makes sense. Um, But yeah, I like not having a set schedule every day. I like that I can come in and a history teacher can run in frantically and ask me to help them with something. Like, yeah. I kind of like that. It's it's nice to, to switch it up a little. I love the fly by the seat of your pants thing. I was uh, come up with an idea in the shower, figure out how many minutes it was going to take to run the copies or to set up the oh, activity last and, planning. and we're going. Yeah. Like, I, I didn't hesitate at all to try anything, which I think is why I like technology so much is because it gave me like an opportunity to efficiently get new things out to my kids so that we could try some weird like off the wall thing that I came up with when I was in the shower after my run like and so I think that that mindset just kind of lended well but I I like to think I'm not always like a safe risk taker sometimes I just like to take risks (laughs) (laughs) that's good though too Yeah. yeah and my issue was always that I would have those ideas and I would want to take the risk but I unlike you Jen I didn't know how to organize it to get the risk to play out Mm -hmm. so it would be like almost too shallow sometimes like I'd have this great idea and I could never quite take the steps in like a scheduled structured fashion to get to the end Mm -hmm. like I knew my end game but I didn't quite know how to get there and that's why, too, it's so nice having another teacher to collaborate with who knows our students and knows our classes so that she can be like, okay, this is how we're going to scaffold it. This is the time frame that we have. Mm-hmm. And then I can be like, okay, then, yeah, let's put in this idea and this idea and this idea. But I needed someone to create the structure for me, yeah. right? which is why I love having you in tech because you create that technology structure for me and mm-hmm. why I love having you for the research because you can manage the research mm-hmm. so that we have that structure and it actually plays out in a like you know like logistical time frame that makes yeah. sense in a high school when well, you get to those part. deeper understandings and you right. get to those deeper outcomes with your kids because you've got that kind of like well thought out like piece and right. I think it's hard for like teachers that are trying to be in the moment with their students doing their thing and you're, you're grading and you're planning and you're whatever, like it's hard to really like sit down and plan out those long-term things. So I like the late arrival time where you really get to work on those like kind of deeper projects and break that down and the opportunity for teachers to come to us so we can do a lot of that background work for them or in and with them, right. but then it doesn't have to be just them on their own, like creating it. Yeah, I agree. We are pretty lucky. For those of uh, people not from Gray's Lake, just to give a little background on the situation, we have Shane is an instructional coach, yep. and Rachel literacy coach. I mean, I, I guess you could say instructional. Yeah, because a lot of people don't say literacy coaches anymore, right? Because people get scared of us then. Coach um, coaches aren't scary. Coaches are helpful supportive. people. Yeah, yeah, and then people like talk about too, like with athletics, you don't, you always have a coach at every step of the game. It's true. Mm-hmm. You know, like. The Bulls. What's the Phil guy's name? <laughs> Jackson. Phil Jackson. <laughs> Are we way going back, back to the nineties? The way back, boss. <laughs> I know we said we're old, Repeat. but now we're really no, showing ourselves. 
Goodness. But, like, he didn't ditch the team when they were in the playoffs. Like, that's when you need your coach the most. That's true. And you could argue that, like, those players, they are the best. They are experts, just like our teachers are experts of their content area. I like where this metaphor is but going. They this is go great. They, they still, still go to practice. They still go to practice, and they still right. need assistance sometimes. And it's not even assistance. It's sometimes just a different perspective exactly. and a different way to solve the problem. Yep. Like, so, he laid out the... I like how you did that, Rachel. Oh, yeah. wow. Well, like, Phil Jackson... He lays out the game plan on his little clipboard or his iPad or whatever. He didn't have an iPad in the 90s. Oh, but he should have. <laughs> <laughs> if he had one, I'm sure he would have yeah. used it. But then the players <laughs> modify it when they go out on the court. Like, they don't follow the arrows to the circles to the squares like the football, you know, like mm-hmm. plans or whatever. This is just going really bad. <laughs> do you know what you know? How much do you know about basketball? <laughs> or sports in long, general? <laughs> I played them for a long time. I'm on the Hall of Fame, but I don't know. It's, yeah. yeah, it's lacking right now. But, um... Anyway, going back to the whole coaching piece, when you say literacy coach, people think that ends when the kids can access a text. So that's why you kind of say instructional coach, because it's like you, Shana, with the technology. It's not just technology. It's more like incorporating literacy into your instructional plan. Mm -hmm. How do you, like, identify yourself? Do you say instructional coach? No. My title's still library media specialist. That's okay. I'm I'm happy with that. Um, But, yeah, I mean, like, I think... You take the library out of it, and if you look at a 21st century librarian, they're not books anymore. And, I mean, we still have books. I still manage that. But the majority of what I do is coaching with informational texts and looking at research. And, you know, I think with the growing technology and the information we have, the position's just going to grow in the sense of, like, how to understand and help our students be able to work with all the information that's being thrown at them. We want to thank you for joining us for our first Real Messy podcast. We hope that it gave you an idea about who we are, some background on how we became instructional coaches, and a glimpse at what we hope to share with our fellow teachers. Listen in for future episodes where we tackle some Real Messy questions and other educational topics. You can also visit our Real Messy website for additional resources or to submit questions for future episodes.